Viva Lakes. And if you want to look in your bulletin, it should be on the bottom right-hand corner. If you remember, first of all, we saw the sufficiency of Scripture. And last week we saw expository preaching. And number three, uh, biblical leadership. Look at that statement with me. It says, We believe that God has called a plurality of qualified men as elders to oversee the spiritual direction and deacons to care for the physical well-being of the church. Each of those words, there's some key words in there that I just want to kind of draw out to help us understand the, the importance of those. First of all, we believe that God has called a plurality. Uh, not a word sometimes we use uh, in our normal day, but meaning a group, usually more than two. And the, the, uh, the reason for this is the pattern of Scripture. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul calls the elders, plural, at Ephesus. Even as we read a little bit earlier uh, in, uh, uh, I just blanked on Timothy or Titus, and as they set up elders in every town, there's a picture of a plurality of eldership that, that is to be set up. With that plurality comes an accountability. It comes an accountability that there is not one leading, but there's a a picture of a plurality of working together. It's a recognition of our sin nature. That if you put all trust in one man, there will be failure. As much as that person strives on. And God has gifted each, each elder uniquely that sometimes we see things that we can bring and bring about a, a great unity. So first of all, a plurality. But then the second is the, the qualified. I'd propose that this is one of our greatest struggles in the church today, of qualified leaders. Instead of looking to Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3 for God's list of qualifications, we ask ourselves, well, is that person a business person that they can help us with the finances of the church? Um, is that person have some experience in this or that? Hey, we have a building program. We need somebody who's built a building. Let's put them in leadership. When it comes to the teaching position, it's, hey, who, who, who sounds good? And we become much like Israel of old looking for a king. They looked at the outside. The one tall in stature who who looked good. But God says he looks at the heart. There's a qualification and each of those qualifications is important. The qualifications, I believe, are kind of summed up in the statement above reproach. I, I don't know if I've shared in the past... I think to try to put that in a modern vernacular is things don't stick. There's going to be accusations that are are sent upon a a leaders, uh, two leaders. But the question is, is there enough question about that person that that accusation might be true? And to be above reproach is to be able for someone in a congregation or even, I pray, with outside the congregation can say, I know the character of that person and that's not true. God gives us clear qualifications. Not, and if you look at them, most of them do not have to do 
with the ability to teach. It's about the character of a person. Their ability to order their family. And as Paul says, how can a man lead the house of God when he cannot oversee his own family well? So a plurality of qualified and then men. Next week we will see more in the picture of biblical manhood and womanhood, but God has designed in his infinite wisdom roles and responsibilities. We are all created in the image of God equal, yet given different responsibilities by his design. And we see that men are qualified, or that qualified men are called to lead the church, one through the scriptural pattern. The qualifications in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3 are that for men. And the leadership of the church throughout church history in, in the New Testament were men. This does not mean that women were insignificant. You look at Paul's, uh, in Paul's words in Romans 16, where he lists uh, uh, like 16 helpers. And I think it was like 10 of them were women that he acknowledged were instrumental into the ministry of the church. But there was a position for the men to be the ones leading. Lydia at the church at Philippi, not this Lydia, one a long time ago, um, was instrumental in providing her home. Yet the leadership was to be the men. And we must remember that God's patterns are good and right. We see the scriptural command in 1 Timothy 2. When Paul writes, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence for, he gives a reason, Adam was formed first, then Eve. Does it say that Adam is greater? No. Looks at the pattern of Scripture, the command to not teach or to have authority over a man. And some have tried to distort this to say, well, a woman should not pursue that, but if she's given it, that's acceptable. But that's not what the text says. We seek, again, if you think about the distinctives, the sufficiency of Scripture, we look to it for truth and we seek to pattern our lives according to it. The culture presses in many different ways. And yet we continue to say, not our own creative thinking, but what does God say? Again, it does not diminish the value of a woman, but God has designed men to lead the church. In Galatians 3.28, sometimes people point it. Well, Paul says there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Greek or Jew. But the point there is not uh, to say that we are all just one. Therefore, then gender doesn't matter. No, what he's pointing at is in the view of salvation, there is not one greater than the other. The whole book of Galatians, if you understand the whole context, is the Jews felt themselves proud over the Gentiles. And they were trying to put these stipulations upon the Gentiles to be followers of Christ. And Paul wrote to correct them of that. But we believe that God is called a plurality of qualified men. And we see the two offices of the church, elders and deacons. The term elder in the New Testament is synonymous if you were to read overseer or bishop. These are used of the same. And the, the, the idea is to give oversight, to give care. We recognize that 
the term pastor is not a title, but it is an action. It is that which elders are to do. Pastor is to shepherd. We're called to shepherd the flock of God, and elders are specifically given to the, to the spiritual care of the flock. In the book of Acts, when the apostles were, were having struggles caring for the widows, they called to them Stephen and seven other men to be deacons, to care for the needs of the widows. They were entrusted with finances to do those things. And the text says, so that they could spend their focus and time upon the ministry of the word and prayer. Now, does that mean that that doesn't mean care for people? Absolutely not. Because the ministry of word comes on a Sunday morning, but it also comes in private homes and in times of one-on-one in small groups. And those things are great opportunities for elders to shepherd the flock of God. But that second office is that of the deacon, literally meaning a servant, one who serves. And in the context of the New Testament, that was the term given for that the person who waited tables. We see the elders primary, primarily focus upon the spiritual care, while deacons focus primarily upon the physical care. Those deacons were given and entrusted the care of the widows to the orphans. One of the things that I think has happened in our culture, in our church culture, is that it's you kind of have the minor leagues or the deacons. Those are kind of where you bring people up and you train them so that eventually they can move to this hierarchy of to being an elder. You know, that, that's not what Scripture teaches. It's the beauty of both. For both of them are needed to care for the flock of God. As 1 Peter 5.2 Reminds us that it is his flock, that it is his flock that we are to watch over. And biblical leadership, again, is a plurality of qualified men as elders to oversee the spiritual direction and deacons to care for the physical well-being of the church. We continue to pray that God gives us godly men to continue to lead as we seek to obey his commands.